Coming to you live from Sydney, 8.30 p.m., the United Pubcast, and Marcus Rashford can't stop scoring. And as you can hear in my voice, Tom, I'm very excited about it. Manchester United 3, Leicester City 0. At the opening half an hour, it could have been a very different game, but there are eight of you who have joined us. Smack off the bangs. They hit us with that like, like Marcus Rashford hits the back of the net. Tom, how are you feeling after this morning's result? I feel back to my glory days in my youth because I'll tell you what, Larry, that was watching Manchester United. It just felt like watching Manchester United when they're walking off the pitch and sort of applauding the crowd. Eric Ten Hag was telling the crowd a big game this Thursday against Barcelona. It just felt like I was watching Manchester United and that's all, I, that's all I've been asking for this last decade. Results aside, that's exactly what you want and um, we'll d- discuss the ins and outs of the football and the tactics and the performances. But ultimately, as a Man United fan at the moment, with the week ahead of with the week ahead for us fans, um, it is a good time to be a Man United fan. That hasn't been the case over the last decade. It is a great time to be a Manchester United fan and for reasons related to on-pitch football, which is always a very good thing. Tom, let's rip straight into the football match. And the starting 11, Rafael Varane rested. Victor Lindelof comes in. Uh, any surprises? Ganacho obviously started. Did, did you look at that 11 and think, oh, that's interesting by the manager or was it pretty much what you would have expected? Now, before in one of our group chats, before the match, a couple of hours before, I said, anyone in with a shout of Rafael Varane being rested? Now I was assuming maybe Harry Maguire was going to come in. I'm not sure if Eric Ten Hag addressed why Harry Maguire wasn't in the squad, but um, Victor Lindelof came in and I thought that was the right decision because we have two huge games. Now, yes, we can look at title talk and how important this game is in regards to the uh, potential title charge, but ultimately for this week, we have potentially two bigger games. We've got a match against Barcelona and a one-up for... Um, a trophy up for grabs. So if you're going to drop points in one game, uh, potentially Leicester in the Premier League was going to be it. So this is where you're going to rotate was potentially here. So I wasn't shocked Rafael Varane was rested. I thought that was the right decision. Victor Lindelof, I thought, had a very good game. Um, well, it deputised very well. We can get some ins and outs. Obviously, we're under the pump a little bit in that first half, but I thought Lindelof did very well. Canacho, as I said, maybe one of those spots, Jaden Sancho, I think, has been performing well. But I think Jaden Sancho is going to be relied upon heavily in the next two games. So maybe that's just where Ganacho comes in at home for a few minutes. So um, ultimately, I think Eric Ten Hag, while the first half was a bit slow, a bit sloppy from Man United's perspective, I think he did get it right. Yeah, it did start slow, but you're right. He, he did get it right in the end. Um, one of the tweaks he made was moving Valt Weghorst back up front. I want to ask you on the uh, the Dutch striker. Um, what have you made of his impact? And crucially, what have you made of Ten Hag's use of him? Um, obviously, he's, he was bought as a number nine, a Ronaldo replacement while obviously being a completely different style of player. But what have you made of his impact and the way that Eric Ten Hag has utilised him? He seems to be quite versatile, actually. Well, the change for me came at halftime. He played number 10 for me in the first half. Um, the, the tactical change was at halftime where he threw him up front. And it, and it was a weird one with course, because as a fan, all we sit here and ask for is um, effort. Go there, show your heart, fight for the badge. Weghorst does that like no other. Like He gets himself about. However, I think there were stats in regards to made the most tackles in the, on the pitch in the first half, and ultimately that is a very good trait in regards to the attributes he does bring. Ultimately, I think we were lacking a little bit with Weghorst, whether he's further forward in the number role, in the number nine role or a little bit deeper in that number 10 position. I thought he was lacking a little bit of quality, just, just a little bit slow. Now, I could put a lot of that down to Leicester, I think, were very good in the first half. And everyone from United was a little bit off it. You saw in the second half when the confidence was high and the fl- the football was free-flowing, 
everyone was bouncing off everyone. Michael, um, Scott McTominay came in and looked like Michael Carrick because all the moving parts around him were sort of full of confidence. I think in that first half, everyone was off the pace. And I think that sort of hurt Veghorst a little bit. But ultimately, um, he, he made the change in the second half to go further forward. And um, it, was, it was the right decision by Eric Ten Hag. So overall, my feelings towards Veghorst is... He is what he is at the moment. Uh, I think he's coming in and doing a job. He, he's not got. He's not Anthony Marshall in regards to quality, but he's um, a little bit more than Ronaldo in regards to work rate. So I think he's providing a good balance, and Eric Ten Hag is relying on him. And um, it'll be very interesting in regards to the League Cup final. You would assume he starts, and who would have said that a couple of months ago? Well, I tell you what, he is over Anthony Martial available, and uh, that, that's yeah. what's killed the Frenchman. And availability is the best ability sometimes, and. Uh, ultimately he's making himself available and he's having an impact and he's finding a way to contribute. I mean, yes, you would like your number nine to score goals, but you can't doubt that Val Veghorst is contributing to the way Manchester United are playing at the moment. Tom, I want to, before I talk about Marcus Rashford, can I just dedicate a solid five minutes to praising the beautiful man that has the same haircut as you? Beautiful man, Eric Ten Hag. Honestly, I don't know what more to say about him. He's As I said, when he was when he was walking, we'll get into the football and the job he's doing. That's one thing. When he was walking off the pitch, now I have no clue what he was saying. I assume it was along the lines of pointing at Stratford and saying, "Big game against Barcelona. We're going to need you." I assume it was a bit of a rallying cry. So I don't know what he said, but I agreed one hundred percent, regardless. But that gave me goosebumps. That was just, as I said, that is Manchester United. He has brought a feel good factor back, one to the players, but also to the fans, which you could argue is more important to the football club. Because the players will come and go. We're going to have new players next year. We're going to have new players in two years' time. And they're different to the ones that were here last year. You know what I mean? Obviously, a couple of years either side. But ultimately, the fans will be there um, regardless. And the feel-good factor he's given these fans, um, you, me, and every every fan around the world or at Old Trafford, is um, special. compared to, Considering the position we have been in, as I said, this last decade, the job he has done, one, on the pitch, look at what we're doing. 100, it feels like we're watching Manchester United. But off the pitch, it also feels like we're supporting Manchester United. And ultimately, look, it's a team game. Um, all the working parts of a club need to be sort of pulling in the same direction to be successful. But my God, if it comes down to one man, it could be this man who's the difference. Uh, SJ Bart makes the comment here. He mentioned in his press conference, uh, he made a comment, we need you back on Thursday, referring to the fans. You know what I love about him, Tom? Exudes confidence. Uh, we need the fans and we're going to show them we can beat Barcelona. Oh, that confidence. That confidence, and maybe you picked up on this as well in Melbourne. A lot of people sort of maybe came across him in Melbourne as well. You're a little bit scared of him, but you kind of you're not quite. You don't really know how to read him, and that the players almost have that feeling as well. I think he is this guy in terms of obviously his football knowledge and his coaching ability is obviously top draw. But ultimately, as well from a management point of view, it's it's that guy you don't really don't want to cross sort of thing. And I just think that aura that that comes across that confidence and that aura, and I just think the authority here stamped on this club. Um, one, okay. I'm, I'm not comparing him to about Busby or Alex Ferguson at the moment, but my God, he's he's on the right track. He's on the right track, and uh, the difference between him and say a Jose Mourinho, who also carries himself very confidently, this guy is backing it up, and he doesn't whinge. He he hasn't made an excuse once this season, Tom. All the injuries he's had, all the difficulties he's had to manage in the dressing room, the Ronaldo situation. If you were comparing like for like that's Mourinho and Paul Pogba. I'd argue it's more difficult because it's Cristiano Ronaldo, most popular footballer that's ever lived, and he managed it. Seamless. No one talks about Ronaldo anymore. It's old news. Feels like last season. Harry Maguire, captain, sat on the bench, slash ill, whatever. 
No one mentions it. He's just his man management is on point. You know what I love about him? With all due respect to Onogana Solskjaer, as much as I love him and he's a club legend, he doesn't try to be mates with the players. He he says, I'm the manager, you're the players. He makes it very clear and he draws that line. I think line. that's a huge thing. And you mentioned you mentioned names there in terms of the, the big ones, the ca- captain in Harry Maguire, the name in Cristiano Ronaldo. Ultimately, the man management around the field, Jaden Sancho's situation, Aaron Wan-Bissaka's situation, I think the main one as well goes back to maybe into the next point, Marcus Rashford. Take that back to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Marcus Rashford felt slash was bigger than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Old Trafford and felt that in regards to sort of the, maybe the difficulties Marcus Rashford did face in regards to attitude problems. And ultimately, Marcus Rashford takes 100% credit for the turnaround in his form and his performances. But ultimately, I'd put so much of it down to Eric Ten Hag in terms of that coaching and also maybe more importantly, the management. So yes, in terms of he's dealing with Ronaldo and Maguire, they're big ones. But pretty much, you can make a case everyone across the field, everyone across the squad, Eric Ten Hag has really sort of laid a marker down and sort of improved in some way. In some way, one hundred percent. On players, you mentioned players will come and go. Let's talk about a player who's got less than eighteen months left on his contract, Marcus Rashford. Tom, is he the best player in the world right now? Look, no, he's not the best footballer, but it's in terms of what's best. I could very well make a case he's the most dangerous player and the most feared player. You saw that Barcelona had this huge fear of Marcus Rashford, and ultimately, if that is the case, well, in terms of winning football matches, that the case would be that he is the best footballer if, if teams are that scared of him and he has that impact on matches. So, look, is, is he the best footballer? No, but my God, in terms of impact and, and threat providing to the opposition, if someone wants to make that case, I'm not going to argue. And... Um, I think then sort of stems on to a following discussion in regards to is this one hell of a bit of form and he's just in the form of his life, which obviously is the case, but how, how consistent can he become? Now, he's not going to keep this form up for the rest of the season, but you know, can he maintain a sort of eight? So? I think oh, there's look, a good look, chance look. he does. Fingers crossed, but there's going to be a game. I think there's a game a couple of weeks ago he didn't score and everything. Oh, hang on, what's happening here? I think it was off the back of a draw. Was it the Crystal Palace match? I forget which one it was. And ultimately, things are, oh, hang on, we these questions sort of start back up. So he's going to have one or two games where we lose or we drop points or he doesn't score and we're going to have questions about him. But ultimately, the way he's bouncing back in terms of physically, his performances, physically, I mean, but also mentally from one or two, leads the first half, I thought he was woeful. I thought it was exactly what was sort of being criticised the last couple of years over Marcus Rashford. But then half-time sat down, I'm sure Eric Ten Hag had a word to him, and he turned around brilliantly, scored a goal, and now he's in fantastic form again. So ultimately... Marcus Rashford, most, his biggest change this year has been in his head. I think we've always had this debate in regards to ability. How good is he? Is he world-class? Does he have that potential? No one's doubted that ability. It's upstairs. Can he work hard enough to, to make that ability um, remain consistent? And he's doing that at the moment. So, um, look, I've been extremely critical of Marcus Rashford over the years. However, I pretty much caveat every time I say that in regards to I love Marcus Rashford probably more than any other player at the club. I absolutely love him. And it stems from a place of wanting to see him become a Manchester United legend. And my God, if he has a good week this week, maybe scores a winner against Barcelona and um, sends United up those steps at Wembley, um, he'd be right on track to be becoming a United legend. George makes a really interesting point here, and I want to talk to this a little bit. As good as Rashford is right now, I'm still not convinced on how he can contribute once these goals dry up. If PSG come with $100 million on the table, I'd still take it. Can I be honest with you, Tom? George makes a valid point. I'm not going to say whether I agree with it or not. I'll bring that question to you in a moment, but get your comments in. Because to your point, and I think I hear it in, what, in your response to me earlier, 
he's scoring goals, he's effective, but when you look at his ability, there's that worry. Can a defense shut him up? Can can is there a system where you can nullify his game to a point where actually if he can't get in behind, can he still be as effective as he is right now? Now that sounds outrageous considering how many goals he's scored so far this season. But it's a valid point, isn't it? I mean, you and I have debated often who's got the, the higher ceiling in terms of ability, Martial or Rashford. Often, you and I have actually agreed it's Anthony Martial in terms of ability. He doesn't quite have the close control, the ability to beat a player in tight areas, Marcus Rashford. So is he a systems player? Is it- I, I think he's starting to change his game. Like, we don't know how players develop. We see how Ryan Giggs changed his game, Paul Scholes changed his game. I think we see Marcus Rashford. In our mind, he's still that young kid who burst onto the scene. We still see him as that player. Or maybe he's going to change. Maybe he's going to develop. Now, is he going to develop into a, a Rude Van Nistra? I don't think that'll be the case. But in terms of why he's playing so well at the moment, He's not trying to do things that are out of his control. He's not trying to go past 10 players this time. He's, sometimes he's obviously added a little bit of passing to his game. He's making the right decision. So I think his game will change in regards to that sort of burst in winger and what he will develop into. I'm not sure. Obviously, I think a lot of Man United fans are having a discussion around Benny McCarthy and sort of the work he's doing off the field with him. And obviously, I'll go back to Eric Ten Hag. So in regards to George's point in regards to the $100 million from PSG, Look, six months ago, I'll say, yep, that's the right decision. Today, I'm saying, no, that's the wrong decision. And the reason I'd say it's the wrong decision today is, yes, okay, we can have, have an argument about ability and is he going to reach this level? Well, he might not reach this level. But my God, this level is going to be good enough for what we need at the moment and be good enough for Manchester United. And I'm just thinking that is where I look at it now. Yes, in terms of being the next Ronaldo or Lionel Messi, maybe not. But if you're the next Marcus Rashford, whatever that's going to be, that's good enough for Manchester United at the moment. And... um Ultimately, if we want someone, okay, he's not going to get 40 goals a season. If he gets 35, let's keep him. So, so I think at the moment, Marcus Rashford is um, he's on fire and long may continue. As I said, in terms of we've always had the debate in regards to Anthony Marshall and Marcus Rashford. Okay, is Anthony Marshall a better footballer? A lot of us would say say so. But who has the likelihood of being a better sort of better career at Manchester United or a Manchester United legend? I'm telling you, Marcus Rashford, he has a big week this week. Um, he almost cements that legacy over Anthony Martial. Well, he wears the number 10, and the last player to score 30-plus goals for Manchester United was Wayne Rooney, 34. Uh, can Marcus Rashford equal or surpass Wayne Rooney's total? He, he scored in a couple of League Cup finals as well, Wayne Rooney. He absolutely has. So, uh, Rashford, you're wearing the number 10, mate. If you want to, If you want to pay homage, this is the opportunity to do it. And I think that's a good way to transition time into 3-2-1. So if you are new, we will explain how 3-2-1s work. It's the most impactful player, uh, not necessarily man of the match, who has the greatest impact. So three points to the best player, two and one. We do this every single match, win, lose, or draw. And uh, at the end of the season, you'll know who the player of the tournament is. And if you look at the bottom there, you can see that tally. Um, I think we will go behind closed doors um, at some point, um, you know, we, we need to leave it a bit of a mystery for end of season award. Um, but Tom, let's not waste any more time. Three, two, ones. Make sure you get your comments in. Uh, player of the match. Who's your man of the match? I've I, I spoken to you offline. I think you know which way I'll go with this, but I'll give you the floor. Ultimately, it has to go to Marcus Rashford. Ultimately, but the person we haven't discussed uh, this podcast, David De Gea. We're talking about the importance of two big goals for Marcus Rashford. Goals win games. Ultimately, another day we're two goals down if it's not for De Gea's right hand. And um, those two saves from David De Gea at the start of the match, they are match winning. 
So ultimately, in regards to performance and impact at the other end of the pitch, the match-winning end of the pitch, Marcus Rashford 100% for me. But my guy, David De Gea, again, we're having a far different discussion if we're 2-0 down at half time. David De Gea is a shout. Um, I'd go I'd go Rashford for three. I'd go Bruno Fernandes for two. Because I thought, well, the second half changed. It's two assists. He's playing out of position and he's doing his part for the team. And I don't think it can be understated how creative Bruno is. I think without Bruno Fernandes in that team, I know Rashford's crucial and he absolutely is because he's putting the balls in the back of the net. But if Bruno's not there, I'm not sure Rashford even gets the opportunity to put the balls in the back of the net. Yeah, no, Bruno, and look, I don't think this is the day for the discussion. Oh, is he a right winger or number 10? What does Eric Tenag see? Why is he doing this sort of thing? But at the moment, it's working, and wherever he plays, he's um, performing. And Bruno Fernandes, yes, in terms of you do look at the, the way we do these votes and ultimately the impact on the match, and Bruno Fernandes has that and um, ultimately performing quite well in terms of it doesn't suit him. Now, now we're performing well and he's contributing very well. It doesn't suit his attributes physically in terms of playing on the right, but he's making the most of it for the team. And ultimately, a huge thing I look at Bruno Fernandes at the moment is in regards to... Look, I love Bruno more, more than anyone, but I have huge criticisms of him potentially being Manchester United's captain. I think maybe we can get more out of him or it's going to take away from his game. But ultimately... Yeah, no, no, well, that, that was my view last year. But ultimately, I didn't think he, he would develop a, and sort of mature the way he has. And now is that on Bruno or is that on Eric Ten Hag? Maybe it's a mix of both, but he's proven me wrong in regards to how he's taken to this armband. I think he's conducted himself impeccably as, as made United captain. And, um, yeah, uh, whether I'm wrong or whether whether I've been proven wrong or there's, the jury's still out, I'm not sure. But ultimately, Bruno Fernandez, in regards to how he's leading this team is, um, is perfect. Uh, nothing but credit to him. So I'm assuming that means Bruno gets two points then. I don't know. Big saves from David De Gea, Larry. Big saves. And ultimately, played. he's quite busy on the ball now, whether his pass was good enough for some people, I'm not sure, but ultimately quite busy in regards to the build-up. But um, I don't know what are people in the chat saying. I'm saying De Gea and Bruno are dominating there with Rashford. I think we've got the, th- the correct three players. Um, well, let's go Rashford for three points. Um, seeing as you're the host, I'll throw it to you. But... Um, I'm going to give Bruno some love, man, because he gets criticised a lot of the time. And I just think when you also remember he's he's moving, he's doing what Wayne Rooney did. He's moving his, from his original, his best position, his favoured position to the betterment of the team. He's accommodating six, six foot six Scott McTominay, Dutch Scott McTominay, and he's having an impact. And, and while he's not obviously a traditional winger, you can't fault his impact. I just, De Gea avoids us losing the game but bruno ensures we win the game and i i just think you know what if a player can put himself out of position to allow the likes of Jaden sancho to find some form to find marcus rashford to score the goals and get the portraits he's getting man this guy deserves all the credit in the world so it's going to be two points bruno for me but of, of course david de Gea deserves points because i'm not sure i look i think united go on to win the game regardless if i'm being honest just because we got too many goals in us but the fact we kept a clean sheet, all credit goes to the goalkeeper. I think that, look, I think you're right, and let's settle for those three, two, ones. But you look around the pitch, the people who won't get points, Shaden Sancho, I think, arguably changed the game. I thought he had a huge influence on the game in that number 10 role. I said, I think Luke Shaw, I thought Diego Delo sort of looked a little bit better as well. I thought he had a positive impact on the match. I thought Luke Shaw had a good game. As I said, Victor Lindelof, I, I thought, stood out at the back in regards to his contribution. Vegkos's work, work rate. 
Um, I'm not letting you go. Um, moving on from the discussion before we discuss Scott McTominay's 100% park, pass accuracy, I thought he came on and was perfect from what you want as a squad player. Come on, okay, let's say Freddie's first choice at the moment in regards to this week ahead. What does Scott McTominay, the squad player, offer? He can come in. Fred gets half an hour rest sort of to avoid any potential injuries and have a breather. Deputizes for Casemiro for half an hour, get the job done. And ultimately, that's what you want from Scott McTominay. You don't want him playing the number six role away that Eddie had trying to dictate play. That's not his job. His job is today in regards to contributing to the squad throughout the season. So um, I thought he came on and did well. Colby Maynard, Premier League debut, 17, came on and didn't put a foot wrong. And um, ultimately, across the field, it was just, as I said, it could be a different day in that first half. It went a different way. But ultimately, the players changed that. Eric Ten Hag changed it at half time. And ultimately, we're sitting here at full time and thinking it was, it was a brilliant day for Man United. Uh, talking about Manchester from the Sydney Harbour. I love the United podcast. How good is it? But Tom agree 110% with you, mate. Um, but let's look ahead a little bit. Um, we've obviously spoken about Eric Ten Hag and we're talking about new owners and all the excitement that comes with that. Can I tell you the first thing that new owners need to do? I swear to you. I know he signed a four-year contract. Sign him up for another 10. Eric Ten Hag. Like, am, I being, am I being stupid here? I think this guy needs to sign a 10-year deal. Just do it. Just get it done. Because there's no doubt in my mind we will find success with this manager. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Now, now the only sort of spin I'd throw on that in terms of let's have a serious – I agree, and I, I, would, I would seriously give him a 10-year contract. But let's have a serious discussion around it. You'd obviously – would that please Eric Ten Hag? How does he want to work? Uh, where does he want to work in the future? If he feels tied down, are we going to get the best out of him? So ultimately I'll put it in the hands of Eric Ten Hag and say, what do you want, mate? You want a two-year contract? Okay, two-year contract. You want a 22-year contract? Well, to give you the 20 years. All ultimately, comes down to what Eric Ten Hag wants. And fingers crossed from a Man United point of view, he wants to stay the rest of his career at the moment. Because ultimately, as I said, I can't I put it on. I'm, would, not, you know. I'm, I'm not putting him in. I didn't like that photo of him at the new camp. He looks a little bit <laughs> too comfortable there. Man, but, he but, just I'll, looks too similar to Pep, that's all. You're just having a bit of deja vu. But, but ultimately, look, I'm not comparing him to some Buzz and Alex Ferguson. Far from it. Of course not. However, just in regards to compare who's coming after Stralix Ferguson so far in regards to David Moyes, even the, the most charismatic and the biggest manager in the world in Jose Mourinho and a big manager in Louis van Gaal. Didn't fit. Nothing's felt, nothing's felt like this. This, this. As I said, it, it might sound cliche or stupid, but it feels like Manche- what Manchester United should be. And it's down to him. You know what it is? When Ten Hag was being linked with United, you could have seen him going to City, Chelsea, Arsenal. You could have seen him going to any top club in Europe and having a positive impact. And it was the first time that United got that manager. But when Jose Mourinho came to United, he just got sacked from Chelsea. When Louis van Gaal signed with Manchester United, he was he was doing inter- he was doing well with international football, but he he had been out of the club football scene for a little while. When we got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I mean, the best thing he did for United was wearing the shirt, not as a manager. So you, you look at all the managers that have actually come after Sir Alex Ferguson. There's none with better credentials, I think. You, you look at them all, and with all the positives those managers bring, whether it be David Moyes, or Ralph Rangnick, whatever positive they came with, and whatever, however good they did, there was always something holding them back. There was always someone always in the back of our mind thinking, "Yeah, but this." Jose Mourinho, okay, yes, we're going to get results, but the football wasn't there. The way he dragged the club's name through the mud wasn't there. Okay, Louis Van Gaal might get us results, but the football wasn't there. Okay, David Moyes wasn't um, going to get the results, but but he carried himself in the right way. There was positives there. Is Sir Alex Ferguson's successor? Solskjaer, that there wasn't the results or performance, but ultimately it was a feel-good because of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. With Eric Ten Hag, it's straight down the middle. It's just, no matter feelings, just he's the manager, and it just has a feeling of, 
I mean, these successes ahead for him. Now, ultimately, new owners and Glazers, and that, that's going to obviously dictate Manchester United's future. But um, in regards to if he has control, um, full of confidence. Absolutely. Uh, looking ahead, obviously, Barcelona, we've got the second leg. Uh, he Ten Hag did rest some players. Obviously, good to know Casemiro will come back in. Obviously, Rafael Varane was rested. He'll come back in. You know what that says to me, Tom? I think Ten Hag wants to win the Europa League. I think he absolutely wants to win the Europa League. I think we've seen in sort of lesser Premier League games, he wants to win every game. I think that there's so many games this season where you think, okay, rotate now, and he's gone full strength. So ultimately, yes, he wants to win the Europa League, but ultimately, uh, where would you put the weight in that? Is it wanting to win the Europa League or is it Manchester United, Barcelona, Barcelona, big, big yeah. tie? You just simply got to, out of respect for both clubs, got to go out and win it. Yeah, it's a really interesting point you make, and I guess we'll know once we beat Barcelona and we progress to the round of 16, won't we? Because he's probably mm. going to start Kobe Mainu and Zidane Iqbal in a midfield pivot, uh, Whoever, whichever Europa League fodder we verse next. Probably be Arsenal, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but look, Tom, I hate, I hate to ask you this question. Are United in a title race? Are they in a title race? Can they win the title? Is it possible? Can we believe? Can we look, dream? Uh, it's one of those ones that started to over the last couple of weeks. I was trying to stay clear of it, sort of thing. Can I interrupt you, you for a second, you Tom? Before you, before you answer that question, I've got a Christmas hat here. Whatever your answer you give me dictates whether this goes on my head or not. So I want you to think about this carefully. Are we well, in a title race? Ultimately, ultimately, that's what I was getting to. One hundred percent, we are. And whether whether we end up winning it, I'm not sure. That the money would suggest no. I think Manchester City is still potentially favourites. Now that was a different discussion a few weeks ago, but. I think City has shown potentially enough to maybe pip Arsenal to the post. But ultimately, what are we, three points behind City? Um, five points, potentially eight points at a stretch behind well, Arsenal. City had a Arsenal's... draw against Forest, obviously. Yeah, so. So, so ultimately I do look at it and whether we have the squad, I, I don't think we do in regards to um, the challenges we've already faced this season in terms of the fixture pile-up. I, I don't think our squad will be able to cope um, to the demands of a running against Manchester City. But ultimately, one or two results go our way, and if we keep this form, and ultimately forget form, if Marcus Rashford continues scoring goals, that is the difference. That's what gets someone over the top, the line when you're winning a Premier League title. You look at Robin Van Persie or Wayne Rooney or Cristiano Ronaldo. If you have the informed striker or the informed goal getter, ultimately that is going to go a long way. And we're defending well as a team. There is a feel good factor. Uh, Manchester City. What what hopes do they put in the European Champions League? Does that take their eye off the ball? Arsenal are they as good as everyone thinks they are? So ultimately, in a month's time, let's have a serious discussion in a month's time. But at the moment, are we in a title race? You have to say yes, just mathematically we are. Look at the table. There, there are enough of you watching right now, yes or no in the comments, are United going to win the title? I know it's ambitious, but i got a Christmas hat on. Is it Christmas in February? Will it be Christmas in May? Let I us can guarantee you we we'll win a Premier League title under Eric Ten Hag. Oh, I guarantee that too. You could put your house on it. Safe bet. Absolutely. Um, two massive games this week, Tom. That's one out of three. Uh, we will be at Scruffy Murphy's. So uh, if you are in Sydney, uh, make sure you do get down to Scruffy Murphy's. The whole shebang of the Sydney Manchester United Supporters Club will be there, including myself and Tom for the Newcastle Carabao Cup final Monday morning. What time's kickoff Monday morning, Tom? Remind me. Do you really want to know? Oh, God. Am I going 3.30. 3.30. We'll be there at 3.30 in the morning. I'll be there with my 
Gucci bags, and those bags will be under my eyes. But we will. So be- the door, the doors open around two or two thirty. I forget. So I'll be there from two a.m. Um, oh, ultimately, that, it is Manchester United. Ultimately, that that is what it's about. Um, it's about supporting and moments like this in terms of yes, it's the League Cup. But when's the last time we won a trophy? It's been far too long. Ultimately, okay, it's three thirty on a Monday morning. That's not ideal. But in terms of when we do win, if slash when we do win. The feeling's going to be all all uh, better for it. I'll tell you what, Tom. I think I have known you for. We're getting close to ten years since I've known you. I think. Um, but if you want to know how long it's been since Manchester United last won a trophy, Tom had hair. Yeah, so, a lot uh, of it. Tom had a lot of hair, so it's been a hell of a long time. So if you want Manchester United to win a trophy next Monday or Sunday, depending on which time zone you're in. Uh, make sure you hit a like on the video, but we will be there. Um, half awake nonetheless, but we absolutely will when be there. When we win and Eric Ten Hag is walking up those steps to collect the trophy, would you pay tribute to him by joining myself and Eric? Well, by uh, getting the same haircut. Yeah. Look, Tom, i got to be honest with you. I feel uh, okay, very... okay. I'll, I'll be generous with you. Let's say Premier League title. Shave my head. You talked about yes in the comments, yes or no earlier. If we win the Premier League in the comments, yes or no, Larry to shave his head. Tell you what, if there's a majority vote, I'll do it. But I don't think there will be. I think I'm going to keep my hair. So let us know that. Um, Tom, before we wrap up, I've got two questions to ask you. Uh, Actually, I've got three questions to ask you. I've got three questions to ask you. Are you ready? Please. How much are we beating Barcelona by? Yeah, look, while we're so confident, it is still a tough game. We could play very well against Barcelona, and guess what? Barcelona could beat us. Barcelona are very good as well. This is too sensible for me. How much are we beating Barcelona by? One of the best Barcelona moments, obviously, behind me. Brian Robson, um, a lot of people say the best moment at Old Trafford, 1984, beat Diego Maradona's Barcelona. So, obviously, we have great memories there. One closer to our time is Paul Scholes' rocket in the semifinal. I think think we will be up for it. I'll say 3-1 United. It's, it's just the Spanish Crystal Palace. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Yeah, I'm confident. I'm lot confident. Of, lot of, lots of comments coming in here. Um, only one person mentioning they want to see me bald. I told you, Tom, I'm keeping my hair. Sorry, pal. Uh, but George, 2-1 win, Barcelona. Ed, 2-1 win, Manchester United. Uh, SJ Bart, 2-1 win, Manchester United. Senketh, 2-0. Dion, 1-0. Ryan, 3-1. Chris, 3-1. 2-1, 3-1. So we feel like we're going to concede. Um, all right, guys, if we're going to concede, tell me who we're blaming. Because I'll I'm tell you what does give me a little bit of fear. You look at Newcastle in terms of they're not playing at the moment. I think United had two or three games um, since or that they played before us. So there's two games in terms of we played Leicester, now Barcelona before the final. They've obviously had, I think they'll have eight days off before the final. I do not want, now I want to go through regardless. If it's penalties, it's penalties. But you don't want extra time. And any draw, because the away goals rule doesn't count, any draw will take the match to extra time. And obviously, definitely not what we need ahead of the cup final. No, it's not. But you know what? I think if you're Newcastle, you're nervous because you're watching Manchester United. If you're, if you're a Newcastle player and you watch Manchester United slap Barcelona at Old Trafford, they'll be shit in their pants before they even walk out into the pitch the way it should be, the way it used to be. They've already dirtied their pants. Do you know why? They've got Carrius as goalkeeper. Exactly. <laughs> They'll be shitting themselves now. Loris Carrius is in goals for them. And ultimately, maybe Manchester United have played a blinder there by Lone and Dubravka earlier in the season. But um, 
Can I that tell actually you does about, worry me a little um, bit, Carius. Carius. He might be the first goalkeeper in history where you can have a shot off target and it will still go in. He nah, is at his last I have seen Jordan Pickford grab one from Anfield, which was going over the bar and bring it down onto Origi's head. I have seen that happen before. But but ultimately, I am a little bit worried about Carrius. Just in regards to the Liverpool link, you can just see the story coming back and just having a, an unbelievable game that a lot of keepers do have against Man United. But ultimately, it's a huge advantage for Man United because Pope is a good goalkeeper. And um, yeah, Carrius, yeah, just the occasion, I, I think hopefully we'll get to him. All right, Tom, we're running out of time. So that's question one out of three. I've got two more to ask you. Are Manchester United breaking the trophy drought this time in a week? Have Manchester United secured their first trophy of the season? <laughs> my dog thinks so. Uh, I, 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 they have to. Now, look, it's, I'm not going to throw my toys out of the Premier. If we don't, it's one of those things. Football is football. Anything can happen. But I'm confident and I have full faith um, that the players will get the. I think it will be triggered. I don't think it's going to be a comfortable win. I think it could be sort of extra time or penalties or a last-minute winner or something. I think it will be tight. But ultimately, I do, I do think um, Manchester United and Eriton Hag have turned a corner. And, um, yeah, I do think um, we go up those Wembley steps. You? I'm confident. I think Rashford scores too. I, I, I really think it, it's written it's yeah. written in the stars. He, I could see him scoring in the eight, between the 80th and the 90th minute. Rashford's going to score and we're going to win a 1-0. It's just I think it's going to have that feel about it. But uh, we will see. And final question, Tom. Will Marcus Rashford score more than 34 goals this season. Now, remember what I said earlier this video. The last Manchester United player to do it was Wayne Rooney in 11-12 season. No, it was So what, what's Marcus Rashford on total now? He's on like, total slash So he's got to score 10 more goals. Can he do it? Can he yeah, beat Wayne Rooney's record? Look, not, to, not that he's listening to the podcast, not that he's going to get pressure from what I say, but you'd have to kind of, I assume, demand it from him. Not demand it, but expect it from him, 10 more goals. Now, obviously, that, that's, a, that's a big achievement to go and do that, but ultimately, the form he's in and the games we have coming up, um, in terms of how we rely on him, you'd look, 10's a lot of goals. So potentially, that would be cutting it thin, but cutting it fine, but I'd kind of expect him to. Now, if, if he scores 30, like, I'm not going to sneeze at that. Like He's been absolutely brilliant this season. There is a case, in my opinion, now you look at Erlen Haaland, how he is still so far ahead of the Premier League goal scoring record shows what a freak he was. Started the season on fire, yeah. Harlan. Beyond fire. Like, like the numbers he was throwing up there, it's crazy he that he's still leading because he feels like he hasn't scored in two months kind of thing. So yeah. the form Marcus Rashford is in, like you could argue a case that he's kind of having a better season than Erlen Haaland. Now, Erlen Haaland obviously has huge numbers, which uh, sort of skew that stat a little Rashford's bit. But, a better um, player in terms of ability. I really do. We've always, had, we've always had that discussion about Haaland. He almost goes into that Lukaku mould in terms of so effective and so so hard to play against, but in regards to actually link up and playing ability. Um, well, Manchester City fans having that debate in regards to Haaland. Is he taken away from the way they play? Because um, he does have a bit of that Darwin Nunes touch to him. But um, look, ultimately, if Marcus Rashford, yeah, Adam there saying 34, yeah, yeah, I would kind of expect him to. And that's not the pressure. If he doesn't, I don't think that's – I'm going to sort of criticise him for not doing that. The form he's in, um, I believe he can. Yourself? All right, well, we just passed the 34-minute mark, so I think that is a good point to wrap it up. Marcus Rashford, can you score more than 34? The podcast says you can. But nonetheless, pleasure. Tom, thank you so much. To everyone watching, thank you for tuning in. If you are new, make sure you do hit that subscribe button and join the pub, the view from Sydney Harbour of Manchester. But uh, thank you all for getting involved. Tom and I will be back for the Barcelona preview, and we will see you soon. Cheers. Cheers, mate.